this is Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap. Today we will talk about courage and there are three areas that we will take a look at. The first one is having the courage to believe that your life can be a positive difference in the lives of others on the earth. So we're not limiting you to any particular culture but lives upon the earth. The second area that we want to look at is having the courage to have a standard in your life. The third is having the courage to do the right thing. So stay tuned. I think you will love what we have to talk about today. We'll be right back. I would like to read for you uh, just a little snippet out of uh, Joan Schitzer's book. And the title of this book is The Time Is Now. And just to let you know, for those of you who have not heard of her, she actually happens to be a social activist nun. And she's one of these people that says what she means and means what she says, and she does not believe in just doing a lot of talking and having no action. So I do appreciate her. This is a statement that she made, and I thought it was quite nice. It says, to raise a voice and prophetic announcement that God is doing something new again is not a vocation for the weak and the fearful, the unconscious and the uncommitted. It is not a vocation that dodges criticism by being sure to do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. And I think this is just really great because uh, courage is something that you really have to be able to speak up and you have to not worry about what others think. So when you have a standard in your life, and when you also feel that you actually can, your life actually can make a positive difference to others, then you are going to speak up. When you feel that the right thing is not being done, or not being said, or not being observed, then you will speak up. That is who you are when you have courage. So hold on and let us go through a few things about courage today. not go too far without at least looking at a definition or two of courage so that we can all be on the same page as to what we're talking about in this podcast. Okay, so this is just dictionary meaning, so you can look it up in any dictionary. Uh, courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. Courage is the strength in the f- face of pain and grief. Courage is mental and moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. There are types of courage. There is physical courage, there is social courage, there is moral courage, there is emotional courage, and there is spiritual courage. And when I think about what we will talk about today when it, as regards to courage, it is all of the ones that I have mentioned. So, now let's get into what we want to discuss. At least there are several examples of places where in recent times we have not exhibited courage. I really do think if we exhibited more courage, uh, we would not have so many gaps in society. And it appears that sometimes the gaps are just increasing. Uh, One of the things that I'm thinking about right now is January 6, uh, 2021, uh, which was the day that 
of shock, yet revelation, of the knowledge of the multiple gaps within our society. Many of us were shocked by the attack on the USA Capitol. Others were saddened. The anger and display, hatred mixed with sarcasm of what we saw on film of people who were actually attacking the Capitol. Still others were angered by the displays of double standards exhibited in policing the event. So what I'm saying there is when Black Lives Matter march, people were tear gassed. Some were actually brutalized by the police department. Then there was much conversation which helped some of the marches and protests to be a little bit more civil. But I think with fear, the people were really mistreated because all they were doing was really marching at one point. Now there were people who added themselves to the march who were not marching for Black Lives Matter. They were just basically out there, you know, to take advantage of business owners and steal what they could and so forth. But when we see that they certainly, they, there was a lot of damage that was done with some of those marches, but not necessarily by the people who were protesting for justice. But when it comes to the Capitol, there was a mob. Some were carrying weapons, some were breaking windows of the Capitol building. Some were beating the policemen. Most were yelling, screaming, and damaging property in the chamber, inside the chambers, as well as outside the building, inside the offices of the Congress people, uh, in the Capitol as well, and even the personal effects of some of the congressmen and women. Important documents were seen tossed about the rooms, and people were actually sitting in the chairs of the congressmen with their feet up on the desk, and the ultimate was total disrespect for this country. So the United States of America has been seen or viewed from outside of this country as one of the leaders in the world. A leader in democracy, a leader in freedom of speech, a leader in the economy. Now China is right on our heels and may have very well passed us by now, but certainly within close running proximity when it comes to economy. Some of the lives of the congressmen were threatened, including the Vice President of the United States. Now, although this was shocking, we should not have been completely surprised that the President of the United States and his followers felt privileged in tearing down a building that represents democracy, not only with the United States, but by other countries in the world and other world leaders. Now there are many reasons why we should not have been surprised about the protest at the Capitol. And we, we talked about earlier there are types of courage. There's physical, social, moral, emotional, and spiritual courage. So first of all, <clears throat> let's just mention physical courage. Well, there was Capitol Police who their job is to actually 
maintain peace and control there at the Capitol building. Now, especially when a session is going on as important as the session that was taking place, which is actually formally um, naming the President of the United States and, and not just naming, but basically formally making it legitimate, the votes that had been cast uh, the year before, and then counting now the electoral votes before all of Congress so that they can formally say, okay, President Joe Biden is president. So that was stopped because the physical courage was not there, and the mental courage, I will say that as well, was not there with the Capitol Police. Some were actually allowing the protesters in the Capitol during the session, even though they saw them with carrying weapons, um, tear gassing going on outside the Capitol, and all sorts of things were going on. They saw windows being broken, and they still even took selfies with some of the protesters. So these were the Capitol Police. So uh, the courage for them to stand up and do their job was lacking. So that's one thing. Another reason why we should not be surprised is because of something Mary Lee Trump said. Mary Lee Trump is actually the niece of the president of Trump's. Uh, He is, uh, she is, is a psychologist and an author, and she had written a book called Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. Now this book had been available for people to read. She warned over and over the dangers of not removing the president from the office, and this was based upon the first impeachment that took place uh, when the House of Representatives first impeached uh, President Trump for several reasons, (laughs) but the um, Senate did not exercise their uh, right to go through with this impeachment. So again, there was physical and social and mental and moral courage that basically was not acted upon by Congress. So the Senate refused to go along with the impeachment and allowed him to stay in office, even though the niece of the president had written a book and had many interviews concerning the mental state that she felt of the president, uh, who was uh, harmful, as she felt, to the United States of America as leader. Then there was Dr. Brandy (coughs) Lee. Dr. Brandy Lee is a forensic psychiatrist. She's at the Yale School of Medicine and has been for 17 years and is the author of the book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. Now, Brandy happens to be an Asian American and I do wonder if perhaps she was, her uh, efforts were ignored because she was not a white voice. Now, she actually did gather white voices who were also psychiatrists and those who felt that even though they had not personally 
uh, sat with President Trump to really diagnose his mental status, but felt that they had seen enough that they were concerned. So Dr. Brandy Exley uh, and 27 psychiatrists and mental health experts assessed the president despite the discouragement of the American Psychiatric Association. January 9th in 2021, Dr. Lee and our colleagues at the World Mental Health Coalition put out a statement calling for the Trump's immediate removal from office. And that was totally ignored. So then the courage to listen to uh, experts in their field concerning the mental state of the president did not work. So those who were in charge, again, Congress, who was in charge, still did not move, did not have the courage to actually accept Mary Trump's book, and and Mary Trump is a psychologist again herself. They did not accept Dr. Lee and 27 psychiatrists uh, who felt that he should be removed from office. The third reason why we should not have been surprised, Scientific American, which is a magazine and articles, they do magazines and articles on mental health, and they are also associated with looking at mental health as well as Christianity. So the Scientific American published an article called The Shared Psychosis of Donald Trump and His Loyalists, basically described them as a terrorist uh, group of the Capitol and said it was one of the darkest chapters ever in our nation's history. They actually asked Dr. Brandy Lee the following question. What attracts people to Trump? So uh, in her response, in Dr. Lee's response to uh, Scientific American interview, uh, she said the thing that attracts people to Trump is an emotional drive. And she said that's referred to as narcissistic symbiosis. Uh, And which means, she said, that there were some developmental wounds that happen in the lives of people who go through this. And uh, they do a lot, I guess, for attention. And so she said with the ones who are following him, regardless of what he does, what he says, it's sort of a shared psychosis Uh, where uh, basically it is an induced delusion. Uh, So these people basically are going through an experience that she refers to as a locked and key relationship. So they are looking for self-worth. And so they seek that by doing sort of things that are um, surprising and what somewhat irrational. So the there's thousands of people who are complicit with the behavior that President Trump was exhibiting. The other reason why we should not be surprised 
by the Capitol being attacked, it was shocking, but yet we shouldn't have been completely surprised. And that's because of black officers within the Capitol Police Department had filed over 250 racial discrimination suits against the Capitol Law Enforcement and Agency. And that's just since 2001. And so <clears throat> there's an article uh, that is titled The Insurrection, No One Took Us Seriously. Black cops warned about racist Capitol Police officers for years. And this was published by the ProPublica on January 14th, 2021. Uh, the, the authors of this article is Joshua Kaplan and Joaquin uh, Sapien. So basically what uh, the black policeman had said is that there's racism within the department. So apparently these cops being racist, or some of them being racist, was complicit with the stands that President Trump was taking in many areas. And so basically decided to side with the protesters that were coming into the Capitol. And perhaps, we don't know, maybe there was an opportunity for them to somehow work together or perhaps they had more information than they shared or was willing to share uh, with the rest. Uh, and so this is the sad thing is that Congress was aware of the lawsuits that were filed. They were aware of the racism within the Capitol Police and it was brought to their attention and apparently they did nothing with it. <laughs> so um, this is another example of a lack of moral courage, a lack of physical courage. The Capitol Police apparently did not do their job. There were some black cops on the Capitol uh, Department who did outstanding job and was awarded accordingly. But they had to do it in many cases by themselves because many of the cops were not participating. Now, what we have to understand is that they're paid to do their job, which is protect the Capitol and protect the congressman and make sure that meetings are not disturbed. And because of that, there is 2,300 employees with the Capitol Police, and there is a half billion dollar budget uh, for this. And so <clears throat> this is uh, another reason why we should not be surprised because again, Congress, knew about the racism in the police department, but they did nothing about it. Another reason we should not be surprised. Uh, we have had um, on our PBS programs uh, something called How Hitler Was Created. And basically it showed how Hitler first got his audience of people he first did government, got members of government to actually go along with his thoughts and his plans. And then it got to a point where more and more people joined him because he would be giving these outlandish speeches. And so on June 26, uh, 2020, 
there was an interview that um, displayed on YouTube, basically. Uh, USA Today had an interview with the former uh, national security advisor to President Trump, who is John Bolton, or who was John Bolton at the time. And the room, uh, he's written a book called The Room Where It Happened. In that book, uh, well, first of all, before we go into things that he mentioned in his book, just to show that he should be a somewhat credible uh, person when it comes to what is uh, rational uh, within the office of the president. He actually served under George Bush as well, not as a United Nations ambassador. So he, this is not his only position uh, to work with Donald Trump. So he's been around in the political circles for a while at pretty high levels. But some of the things that he mentioned in his book uh, and, of course, factual things that he mentioned in his book, he said uh, that Donald Trump was more focused on the re-election than he was on the country. He says he does not follow policy. Um, he was uninformed. He was not competent as president. <clears throat> he went on to say in another interview, I think that was June 17th, um, he said that uh, with CNN, and he said that... Um, when they were all in China at a dinner with the president of China, uh, there was a time when um, the president of China was actually asked by Donald Trump to uh, help him with winning the 2020 election. And so uh, there are many things that he mentioned in his book and in his interviews that should have brought enough concern to Congress that they would have done something, but I think lacking courage again, and in this case, um, they had the power to actually do something about it, but apparently lacked the moral uh, and emotional as well as social courage uh, to actually do what needed to be done. Uh, Bolton went on to say that he felt that Putin of Russia uh, just did not take Trump seriously. Uh, and so when you're thinking about these two powerful countries uh, that John Bolton has spoken up and said, you know, the two of the most powerful countries in the world um, have um, not too nice things <laughs> to say to our president or lack the respect that a president of the United States should have. Uh, however, Congress still did not pay attention to another book that had been written to get their attention. Um, General Colin Powell, in an interview in June 7th, uh, basically condemned the president's deployment of U.S. military on the streets of America to to basically discourage the Black Lives Matters protesters and marchers. Uh, General John Allen uh, also um, chimed in and said that he felt that the, the using military aid within the United States against the protesters was just not the appropriate thing to do. And even Condoleezza Rice, when, when interviewed on Face the Nation, she just mentioned several things. She said um, the president should be helping the country to overcome division, uh, whereas that was not happening. Uh, she also went on to say that 
he needs to talk with us more than tweet to us. And then she said that all should be speaking to the need for unification or to unite. And we need to be concerned with how we address one another. So uh, all of these things were of concern to people who were very knowledgeable about political affairs for this country and other countries. But instead, all of those things were ignored by Congress. So this is why there should not have been um, surprise for the attack on the Capitol. We knew that people were following Trump. We had a lot of information as to things that were not properly being taken care of. It's just that our country just did not seem to have the courage to do something about what was going on. And so then that leaves a question for us. Why? Why did they not have the courage or did they just not care that America was going down the wrong road? Let's talk a little bit about uh, spiritual and moral voices. Uh, one of the ones that wrote an article, his name is Russell Moore. Russell Moore is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. He wrote an article called The Roman Road from Insurrection. And so this is a very long article, so I'm not going to read it all. But what I will do is read some of it. And there will be just pieces that I will pick out because there is a lot here. Uh, but I thought that he exhibited a courage of both moral and spiritual uh, wherewithal that um, someone needed to speak up. And he is one of the voices that did. So one of the things that he mentioned, he said that people who would say boldly in public how great the leader, meaning referring to President Trump was, would privately say behind closed doors that he was mentally unstable. And then he says, the president, and this is his words, the president invited mobs to Washington, promising a wild time and told them to march to the Capitol, despite the fact that there was not one thing that Vice President Pence could have lawfully done, the president called him a coward and whipped up crowds against him, who many of them then chanted, hang Mike Pence, while constructing gallows on the Capitol grounds. An American flag was thrown down and replaced with um, uh, a Trump flag, while another insurrectionist paraded a Confederate flag through the Capitol. He went on to say, <coughs> that congressional leaders had to hide themselves in the Capitol. People were dead. The Capitol is ransacked. The administration officials uh, are resigning in protest. Uh, interestingly enough, enough damage, as you know, was done. $30 million is the estimate of the damages that were done. He goes on to say, 
If you can defend this type of behavior, you can defend anything. Then he goes on to say this. He said, truth does matter. So he says, that election was stolen. This is not truth. He said, it is not true, and it never was true that this election was stolen. Facts don't care about your feelings. And then he says, crowds attacking the Capitol were not Antifa plants. We know, in many cases, their names and faces and backstories. Uh, then he goes on to talk about committing evil. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, which is Romans 12 and 21. He also says that character matters and integrity matters. This is, uh, this is taking courage to speak out to America as a Southern Baptist um, administrator there uh, for the Southern Baptist Convention. He goes on to say the Congress that the Congress does not have the option to ignore these constitu their constitutional obligations on high crimes and misdemeanors. And then he says, if I were the president, I would resign. If I were the vice president, I would assemble the cabinet in accordance with the 25th Amendment. If I were the member of Congress, I would vote to impeach. If I were the United States Senator, I would vote to convict. And I would be willing, if necessary, to lose my seat to do so. Now, uh, this is conviction. This is certainly courage. Uh, the way that he's speaking about what has happened in America and feels that someone has got to show the spiritual and moral courage in this case. I loved this, what he said. He said, people are watching. People are overhearing. Some of them are your children. That's powerful. Your children are watching your behavior. So you're basically grooming your children by either the lack of courage or the show of courage. And this isn't everything that we do. He went on to say that he knows of divisions within families. There are friendships that are broken. He says every survey shows that the church is hemorrhaging. People are walking away from church because they don't think we believe what we say we believe. So he says every evangelical Christian should be rightly denouncing such with the strongest possible terms. So this uh, was a powerful, uh, and I would suggest that you read it. And that's again, this is by Russell Moore. Uh, it's called The Roman Road from Insurrection. It was uh, published January 11, 2021. 
I think he's one of the voices that had the courage to speak up. And that's what is needed at this time in our life. Another area, which is spiritual courage, uh, that we need to exhibit a bit more of. Uh, this is an article written, it was in Time Magazine, January 14th, 2021, written by Carrie Wallace. The title of the article is White American Christianity Needs to be Honest About Its History of White Supremacy. And so this, again, is another long article, so I'm not going to read it all, so I'm just going to read uh, various inserts from from the article. Uh, So one of the things that it says is Christian writers known for their thoughtfulness lament that somehow white supremacy has crept into our churches and the um, faculty of a major evangelical institution put out a manifesto saying that the events at the Capitol bear absolutely no resemblance to the Christianity they teach. That mob, they're telling us, is a fringe element. They've radically misunderstood the real message of American Christianity. And then it also says, hundreds of years ago, the church laid laid the foundation for the theft of the Americas, uh, enslavement of Africans and Native Americans, and centuries of brutal colonization worldwide, with the doctrine that it is okay to take land and liberty from people who were not Christian. And then it goes on to say, the Declaration of Independence also describes Native Americans as merciless um, Indian savages, and the Constitution defined African Americans as only three-fifths of a person. Uh, Despite America's early public piety, this country is explicitly found on the idea that the people who built its farms, roads, cities, and wealth without freedom or payment are not quite human. The article goes on to say... The people they held in slavery at home died unwelcome as a member in any Quaker church. And it goes on to say, Today, American neighborhoods are more segregated than they were in the years immediately following the Civil War. But churches are even more segregated than the rest of society. Sunday morning, when people stream into service, is one of the most segregated hours in America. And I think Martin Luther King was the first one to actually bring that to our attention. The article goes on to say, white supremacy, uh, racism, and segregation are cancer running through our major organs, and our apathy toward them are our comfort with them, compromise and threatens to kill all the other good we hope to do. That's why so many Christian institutions and leaders have failed to speak out directly against racism and white supremacy, instead taking refuge in recent days in vague calls for prayer and healing. You cannot cure cancer by pretending it is not there. The white American church can't pretend that the mob at the Capitol is not part of us. It is us. To have any hope of healing, we must acknowledge the fact 
We must admit our own ignorance, our own apathy, our own discomfort with people who are different from us, our own desire to believe that we're better than everyone else, our own willingness to take things that are not ours and keep things uh, we did not earn, our profound bent to lie about ourselves, our willingness to do violence to get what we want, our willingness to turn away when violence is done to others because it benefits us. We must be honest. We must do that work. Claiming that mob isn't us might help American Christians beat back the sickening waves of shame and fear, but it won't save the life of the American church, and it will never set us free to be anything better than what we are now. So this is a this is an article written by Carrie Wallace, January 14th, 2021 published in Time Magazine, and the title again is White American Christianity Needs to Be Honest About Its History of White Supremacy. And again, in case you want to read a book that talks more about how things began in America, again, that would be The Christian Imagination, written by Dr. Willie Jennings. And he brings out how segregated and separated we are and that real estate is one of the main areas where we separate the races, where we separate economically the wealth from various cultures of people and how we have allowed separation and legitimized it by marking areas of land and homes for certain people that would also be included in what we call the United States caste system. Those at the upper levels of the caste would live in one type neighborhood and those at lower levels of the caste are to live at other neighborhoods. And they would be in neighborhoods where um, you would not be as profitable if you sold your house as you would be if you were in a different neighborhood. You can also learn about more about this in a book called Waking Up White. It is by Debbie, D-E-B-B-Y, Irving, I-R-V-I-N-G. And so she goes into how the GI Bills uh, catered to white soldiers from World War II and other wars. Uh, And she brings out the point that black soldiers were not given the loans, the low interest loans that white soldiers were given to start uh, to build new homes into new neighborhoods. And so black soldiers had to basically come up with the money to build their homes. My father was in World War II. He too had to make his own money and build his house as he had the money. Did not do it with loans. No loan was ever on our family home. So 
just wanted to bring that to your attention uh, and stay tuned because I have a scripture or two to share with you. I would love to share this scripture with you. This is actually found in Galatians. It's the fifth chapter, the 19th through the 26th verse. And what I've done is that I've gone to uh, the Step Bible, which actually will give you some of the words in Greek or Hebrew, whichever pertains to that particular uh, scripture. And uh, so uh, I will have those written out. So the verse will sound a little bit longer, but I'm actually giving you a little bit more definition of some of the words that are being used in the scripture. So anyway, the very first verse is 19 <clears throat> that I'm going to cover. It says, the acts, works, doings of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Debauchery means excessive indulgence idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord. Discord means disagreement and lack of harmony, which we are experiencing in the United States. And then jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions. Dissensions is disagreement uh, that leads to discord, which we have experienced a lot in the United States. Factions, <clears throat> which is dissenting, conflict within an organization. So multiple conflicts that we have going, uh, conflicts concerning the virus, conflicts concerning racism, conflicts concerning equality, conflicts concerning our children and where they should go to school, conflicts concerning real estate, conflicts all over the place, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, 22nd verse says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So may God bless the reading of his word, uh, where we're helped to understand when we're getting somewhat off. So let us have the spiritual courage to read the scriptures that are supposedly our standards because it's really up to us as individuals as what we choose to be the standards for our life. So that scriptures or those scriptures are basically saying that if you choose to be uh, of the Holy Spirit, then there are certain things that you have and that you exhibit with all people, not just people in your culture, not just people in your circles, but all people. And there are 7.7 billion or more of us on the earth. So we should be exhibiting all of those fruits of the Spirit to all those of the people. And as we <clears throat> work and live and breathe and deal with people in our environments, let us respect. Let us not feel that we're greater than they are. 
Let us not fall victims to the United States caste system, where certain people are at the top of the caste and others are at the bottom. At some point, we have to make decisions about how we're going to live our life. And it does take courage to do that. So we need to get to a point where we can actually accept truth. Uh, this is the last thing that I'll mention to you today. Uh, while on a Zoom call, we had Dr. Maurice Hobson as one of our speakers. And this was during a World Affairs Council out of Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Maurice Hobson is an African-American studies professor at Georgia State University. And one of the things that he brought out to us, he said, we have been very concerned with what we call um, the 1619 Project, where basically we're saying, you know, since slavery, what things have been happening or should be happening in America. And he says it's an outstanding project and we bring out lots of great information. He said, however, the first African Americans in the United States of America landed in Savannah, Georgia in 1526. That was almost a hundred years prior to Columbus coming or prior to uh, slaves being brought to America. So Africans have been in America since 1526. And there are also information that we talked about this weekend where we had an opportunity to learn more about black history. And so we, there has been a mixing of Africans and Native Americans over the years, and there is history. And this is where we have got to become courageous enough to actually include all history in our history books. So there are African Americans in America that have been making contributions and accomplishments for years before Africans were brought here as slaves. So just want to throw that information out there. And of course, you can do research and learn more about that. And then there is a book. There's always a book <laughs> that you can also get more information. And the title of that book is, it's called They Came Before Columbus. They Came Before Columbus, The African Presence in Ancient America. It's written by Ivan Van Sertima, and he actually is a professor out of Rutgers University, has done much research with regards to the African presence in America prior to Columbus. So, I speak blessings on your day. I hope that you have enjoyed just a little bit more information and become a reader. We are so used to being entertained in America, it's time for us to become a reader. And I have a thought that if you start to read more of some of the nonfiction books that various researchers have put together these days, and start asking for these books to be in academic environments and included in our history that is taught to our children, I have a thought that we will have a much more united America. This has been Bridge the Gap with Shirley Smith. Have a good day.